Hey everyone, my name's Scott. I am the lead pastor. Hey, we're a peppy bunch today. Good to see you. Hey, it's my uh, opportunity to get to pray and uh, have a time of offering and giving. And um, we know that many of you give in many ways to Bethany. Uh, when we give back to God, we say, God, it was all yours to begin with. There are different ways to do that. There's a Dropbox here. Many of us use an online tool. And when you give to Bethany, it's an opportunity to give to our three world partners, as well as dozens of missionaries, as well as six locations. It's a single church with all of that focus. And so I want to just thank you for the generosity as we begun our new fiscal year starting September 1st. And as we turn the corner into the winter, I just want to invite you, if you are not a regular giver, I would say, hey, it's a great time to get involved. If you are a regular giver, I uh, just want to say a huge thank you for that. I want to pray over our offering, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So, Lord, thank you so much for this church and its long ministry, 100-plus years in the city. Uh, we just, we're grateful that at six parts of the city right now, your word is going out, and we just pray that it's being blessed into the lives of congregants. Lord, we're grateful for the dozens of missionaries, the Nicholsons in particular in Africa, who this church is really connected to. God, we want to lift up our three world partners and uh, their ministry in Costa Rica and Nicaragua and in Rwanda. Um, Lord, all over the world, people are worshiping you this morning. And that we get to be part of that is just nothing short of awe-inspiring. So Lord, take these gifts that were given virtually during the week or given this Sunday and bless and multiply them for your kingdom. Lord, we want nothing less than a true revival, that people far from you would find out about your great love and mercy. And Lord, we just pray that you would set our hearts on fire for that end. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, hey, I uh, am really excited to be with you this Sunday. Uh, as we start a new sermon series called Rhythms. Now, if you were here last weekend, you knew that things were a little bit different last weekend. Last weekend, we talked about kicking off a three-week series to Sabbath that we call Rhythms, Entering Rest and Rejuvenation. We're really going to be talking about Sabbath. But then last week, the leaders here at Bethany North felt like it was a great opportunity to bring a guest speaker, Miriam, to share about the persecution of Christians around the world as we continue to think what God is doing around the world. And if you're here last Sunday, it was a really special Sunday. So this Sunday is kind of a kickoff week, and we'll do two weeks on Sabbath rest called Rhythms. And I'm really excited. Today I'll be talking about some of the, the heart, God's heart for Sabbath and uh, some of my own failings in that and some of my discoveries in that. And next week we'll build off of it with some more practical things. Here's some more testimony about Sabbath as well as more practical tools. Sabbath is a gift in order to make us all that God made us to be in our relationships, as parents, in our workforce, in our singleness, in all the different ways, as retired folk, as college age. And one of the things that's amazing that I know is we all idealize a different stage of life. Where it's like, well, once I'm retired, then things will slow down. And if you ask some of our indie folks, which I'm not done yet, retirement actually can be quite busy, caring for parents, caring for kids, still, you know, carrying on these different things. Or college students. Oh, I remember I had so much time in college. Talk to a college student right now. They're, they're stressed out. They're busy. Every era of our life, there's a challenge. Our time. And how will we make God our Lord and our Savior? That's what Sabbath does. So our text today comes from two places, Genesis 1, 31, as well as Exodus. 
And I believe we have a slide. I know we're having some tech issues today. We have the slide up there. Awesome. Genesis 1:31. God saw all that he had made during creation, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all the vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of created creating that he had done. And then from Exodus, where God is leading his people out from, uh, yes, thank you, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male nor female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment to consider Sabbath, to consider rhythms, to consider how we work and how we rest, that God, you created us to be human beings and not human doings. And Lord, we know that we're suffering from a crisis of anxiety and busyness, and we know we need something new. So God, remind us how you like to take the old and make it new again in the living of your people. God, teach us today. Open up our hands and our heads and mostly our hearts to learn to be formed more in your image. And all God's people said, amen. Sabbath rest number one, title today is called Remember the Sabbath. I had the opportunity to preach this message, a similar one. Some of you that heard last Sunday at Green Lake, like, oh, this is a repeat. It'll be a little different. Uh, Remember the Sabbath. Last Sunday when I preached on Sabbath at Green Lake location, um, I got a lot of interesting looks and nods and actually a fair bit of pushback of like, well, you know, haven't you heard, Scott, that... The, the day and the night, when to the Genesis narrative of days one through six, but then on Sabbath, there's no day and night, and that means Sabbath, because of Christ, is endless. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard that. Well, haven't you heard about like Hebrews three and four, and like enter the Sabbath rest, and Sabbath, because we're you know, New Testament Christians, it's like always and around us. Yes, I've heard that. Haven't you heard that the Savior was made for Sabbath and not Sabbath for Savior. So because of that, that Sabbath is really kind of overdone. Yeah, I've heard that. <clears throat> and then I got to say to the people that gave me a little bit of pushback, like, how's that working out for you? <laughs> How, how's the, like, we don't really need a Sabbath because we always have Sabbath and the Lord is all, like, how's that going for you? And then it was kind of this, like, hmm, interesting because it's, I would say, as a, as a group, it's not something we're thriving at, entering into this divine rhythm of rest and work. When we started Bethany North, it was a particularly busy season for me as your leader and your shepherd. Some of the things I hope to do today is show you my heart, show you places of failure and places of Sabbath that God's been inviting me and Heather and our family back to putting God back into the Lord of our lives when we started Bethany North 11-ish years ago, I mean, it was full throttle. In our own lives, raising babies is a really difficult time. It's really difficult where there's always something to do and somebody needs you. We were going through that at home. And I was pursuing a master of divinity, and I still had a job, and we started this church, and it was nonstop. And 
we didn't have an office and we were just hungry to meet everyone that wanted to come into the church. It was a little group. Some of you guys were there. It's like 40, 50, 60 people, but you're new? Oh, awesome. Like, come. I want to like have coffee with you. Like, it was like all hands on deck. We're building this thing, building it for the mission of God. And there was, you know, just, I remember this one season, no Sabbath, friends. I mean, my thing was like, work as hard as possible for the kingdom of God and then get a good vacation. But there was no rhythm in that. And I'm going to like sprint hard and then rest in little things, but I was just sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. And there was this particular memory that I remember when my youngest daughter, who's now 12, when she was, you know, kind of in like two, three years old, and uh, we, I had been out maybe three nights in a row, might have been four nights, because, you know, there was the church thing, and then there was like somebody needed something, and then there was a setup thing. I mean, we were all really working hard in those days to get this church off the ground. It was all good work, God work, right? And I got home, and I said to Heather, she's like, you know, one thing I appreciate about a healthy marriage is you can kind of push back sometimes when you don't see your spouse living into the fullness of a good rhythm. And she's like, you're out too much. I'm like, I want to tuck the kids in. They're all asleep, except for Harper. Go give her, you know, see if she's still awake. So I, I go run up. I crawl in bed with her. She's like, oh, you're home. She sounded surprised. And then she, she, she buried her head in me, and she took a deep breath, and she said, ah, you smell like Papa. Like, like Papa. <clears throat> Two things. First thing, she was smelling my armpit at the time, literally. So it was really a weird moment for me. Like, why does my daughter think I smell like my armpit? But then deeper than that, and for the point of an illustration, I realized in that moment that without a rhythm that I was actually at home discipling my kids, I was missing out the one place that only I could be. See, sometimes when we're out, you know, work and, and friend things or whatever, like we're out like saving the world and we put ourselves in a role that only God can be and we miss the place that God says only you can be. Like only you can be in this marriage right now. Only you can be in this family of origin right now. Only you can be with these kids right now. And I really need you to have a rhythm so that you can live into your calling of being fully human. So when we consider Sabbath, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. There is an opportunity and an invitation to consider how our life is living our values that God has given us, that we would be people of exceptional and extraordinary work for his kingdom. Our work really matters. But that we would know how to guard our time and space so that we would have a rhythm. And again, not inviting anyone to a once-a-year vacation, but a weekly rhythm of work and rest. And that's what Sabbath does. Sabbath is this gift that's meant to make us who God has made us to be. These people who know not just how to create, but know how to inhabit just our own skin and to slow all the way down and to be present to the people that only we can be present to. And I think some of my um, great learnings around Sabbath, even over these last couple weeks, 
have been, if I'm not careful, they've almost turned me into feeling regret, but I'm turning that regret into invitation because I'm really hungry to create a church that looks like Jesus and a family that looks like Jesus. And I've been thinking of all the different things, like particularly my family of like morning devotions and, you know, the importance of service and the importance of worship. And yet sometimes I've missed the opportunity to Sabbath and be present to them and teach them God has provided this. And in this regard, Sabbath might be the great disciple maker. And a lot of us might have an opportunity to consider how we employ Sabbath for that end. So today, as we dig into this kind of overview and kickoff of Sabbath, we're going to look at three things with Sabbath. We're going to look at Sabbath as this, you know, great invitation to rest in God's presence. We're going to talk about how it invites us to worship and worship together. There's a communal aspect to Sabbath that I hope to fully unpack this week and next because it's blowing my mind right now that Sabbath is not an individual spiritual practice. It is meant to be meant to be practiced between God's people. And then finally, we'll look just briefly at how Sabbath is meant to be both resistance and renewal. There's great scholars on this. Walter Brueggemann has done a a ton of great work. Uh, The Hebrew scholar Abraham Heschel. Recently, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, who's a pastor out of Chicago, just uh, released this book this month, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, which when we called the sermon series on Sabbath rhythms, we had no idea this was coming out. This is the best book that I have ever read on, on Sabbath or sabbatical. So for Christian leaders that are sending people into spaces, this is a book that filled a void that really was very pronounced. So it's been a great gift. So we're going to look at Sabbath as rest and Sabbath as worship together and Sabbath as kind of resistance and renewal. And the hope would be that you would feel invited into just praying about, God, how am I practicing Sabbath? Who am I inviting in? How are you both encouraging me to resist the forces of culture and renew the status of my heart so that we would be God's people? Some of you are Sabbath practicers, and I say yes and amen. Keep at it. We need you as guides and light posts. Many of us have an opportunity to be invited into a weekly rhythm of Sabbath that we would be people that know how to work hard and rest well. So let's dive in here. The first point I want to look at is this idea that Sabbath helps us rest. It enables us to rest and reconnect to God and others. Sabbath is this gift to enable us to be all that God made us to be. No shame, no condemnation, all invitation about exploring the rhythms that God has for us. When I just read Genesis 1, when God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed that seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. There's so much that's so key right in this text that God blessed the time of Sabbath and he made the day holy. We know that in the Old Testament that when God blesses leaders, they have this incredible fruitfulness for his kingdom. But here in creation, God blesses the day of Sabbath and says, there's something in this day, there's something in this divine rhythm that's actually blessed by God. It's 
holy unto the Lord. So when we enter into Sabbath, we're entering into the holiness of God. That to me is like, well, yeah, I kind of knew that, but like let your mind rest on that. It's mind-blowing. Like God blesses not just the leaders, God blesses this time and says the time set apart to me will be different somehow. It will be holy somehow. And so what is Sabbath? Well, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to cease. So Genesis 2-2, God ceased, he Shabbat, he rested from his work. Of course, God doesn't need to rest. God is infinite in his ability and whatever else, but he's setting out in the creation order a pattern for us to lean into. He's ceasing, he's Shabbating, he's Sabbathing. He's resting in order to reconnect. And so when he sets us in the garden as humanity, he's saying, I want you to rest in my presence. I want you to experience the ceasing from the, from the working. And there's two key words in Hebrews that are in Hebrew for in Genesis for this word that we translate as rest. The first, Shabbat, to cease. The second is this word nuach, which means to dwell or abide near or settle down with. So when God Shabbats from his work in Genesis 2, and then he rests with humans in the garden, it, God created us in order to rest with us. He created us in order to dwell with us. This Shabbat and this Nuach, these two words which have the single heart of God to say like, hey, you don't have to work so hard to be with me. And I think it's really important to remember that humanity was created on God's sixth day. So the very first act that we were entered into wasn't six more days of work, but was to dwell with God, was to enter into the rest. Like That's pretty mind-blowing for me. That humanity was created and settled in the garden in order to rest in God's presence. And from this way then, it's like, hey, the most important thing that we will struggle to understand is that we rest into God's presence. In this way, Sabbath is not, Walter Brueggemann says, the pause that refreshes. It is a pause that transforms. When we set apart time of our schedule to be with God, it can transform us. And again, no shame, no condemnation, not because God will love us more, but because we are rewiring ourselves in the neurofaith ways, rewiring our pathways to believe, I am more than just what I do. I am more than just what I create. And I think, I think women are better at this than men, because I know for a lot of men, it's like the first thing we do, what do you do? We categorize people by their level of earning or their level of labor or their level of education. And God's like, that's not how I've made you to be. No, I've made you to be people that know how to be with me, how to settle themselves down and have this rhythm. And for some of you, are like, man, Scott, that's really hard because, you know, I'm building a business or building a ministry or I'm building, like, it's about rhythm. Like, we are called to work really hard but also know on the weekly what it means to cease, to shut it down. The great Hebrew scholar Abraham Heschel said, Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. And so the treasure house of God, this gift of Sabbath, where it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I like to get away in the summer. We go camping. Or, you know, we do the once a year vacation. That's not what Sabbath is. Sabbath is a rhythm set. 
that at least once a week we're shutting it down for an effort of 24 hours. And how you practice Sabbath, like, well, I practice it on Saturday, or I practice it on Monday. Or I pra- it's, it's, we don't want to get hung up in the details, but the details do matter. Being invited into 24 hours, being invited into space without technology defining us so much, being you know, invited into space that feels holy. Some families light a candle. In Jewish tradition, they, in, they have a Shabbat dinner. They say, we're going to sit around a table and eat great food and drink great wine or non-alcoholic wine. We're going to give thanks in community for all that God has done. Like to cease and be with God. This is where resting becomes this great opportunity to become most fully ourselves. In the book, uh, Embracing Rhythms, that I highlight from Ruth Haley Barton, she says it like this. She says, the encouragement to simply say yes to God is not to imply that Sabbath keeping is easy. It's not. In fact, Sabbath keeping has only gotten more complicated as our culture has moved away from distinguishing any one day as different from the rest. To enter Sabbath time, despite all the challenges, there must be a real yes. Deep down inside, yes to our need, yes to our desperation, yes to God's invitation and the lightness of it before we even know how we're going to make it real in our own lives. This is the very definition of faith, to say yes when we have no idea how it's all going to work out. But we know it's what we need to do. It's that deep interior yes that will carry us into and through all the naughty issues Sabbath raises until we emerge with a Sabbath practice that works. There really is no shortcut, no other way, except through the doorway of desire, accompanied by faith that God's calling us and will show us the way. In this process, we learn for ourselves that yes, indeed, the Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. And so often we're going at such a pace, friends, because we're caring for kids, because we're caring for parents, because we're building businesses and airplanes and computer software programs and ministries, that the pace is ruining us. I mean, I've been in my job as senior pastor for a year, and it's going pretty well, but there's times it's too much, and I need to do a better job of guarding Sabbath. And so about, you know, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, right before the big rains hit is, you know, I... uh, I knew I needed Sabbath. I told Heather, I got to get away tomorrow. We were not practicing on the weekends because we had a full weekend. I'm like, I need to take a Sabbath day on a Thursday. So that meant I packed two days of work into one day. I stayed up past midnight, replying to all these you know, emails and doing all these really important ministry things. And then I woke up in the morning and I was a jerk. It wasn't kind to her. I'm on Sabbath. You know, just like, ooh, he's in a godly mood, you know. Was unkind to my kids, was just out of any ability to actually practice Sabbath because I had no rhythm. And I took my fly rod out to the North Fork of the Snoqualmie that someone said was going to be a good place to try to catch a trout. It wasn't. But, and I got out there and it's still like I knew what God was inviting me into, but I had this like hunger to like, oh, you're exhausted. You deserve a little, a little treat. You're hungry, you know, just, so I like, the, the river's right there. And it was, it was right before the rains and the smoke and everything. And, you know, Mount Si was out and it was gorgeous. And I like veer off and find a convenience store 1.3 miles away where I bought a very large bag of Cheetos and a very large IPA beer. And I'm like, this will feel better because I'm hungry. I'll like nourish myself on the goodness that God provides, right? 
And I drive back to the river in paradise, eating and drinking garbage. Now some of you are like, why is he hating on Cheetos? And is this got to have a problem with beer? I'm telling you, I wasn't actually able to Sabbath well, because now I just felt like, I felt like junk. And it's how often we enter into a place where we think we're going to be able to take a break, but we've gone at such a pace that we've kind of ruined it somehow. So I entered into that river feeling even worse. And luckily, I just want to say, like when we, I named it, I'm like, God, can you forgive me? Because I should have just had some real food and I didn't need that beer and that was dumb, but I want to be with you. Can you help me catch a fish and be with you? And I was like, you know, if I caught a huge fish, God, it would make a great sermon illustration. <laughs> I actually saw a huge fish, did not catch it. I need to spend time with John. Where's John Archer? I saw him over here somewhere. Yes, I need more time. But God invites us to this, to this rhythm. And I want to just say, as your friend and your pastor, I want to do a better job of living the rhythm. Because sometimes my zeal... My passion can, it, like, there's, there's too much work and not enough rest. And then you're, like, on the riverside feeding on garbage. I don't know what you're feeding on right now. I don't know how you're entering into this divine rhythm. But there is this invitation. And I want to tell you on that river, God really did redeem it. Just, just, I lost time for a couple hours being in the river, praying, getting my heart back. It's like, oh, thanks, Lord. This is what rest does. It makes me human again. So rest does that, and then God reorientates through Sabbath our ability to worship and worship together. We're going to talk about this more next week, so I'm going to move quickly through this. But here's a big point that I want you to get from Sabbath. It's not a spiritual practice that you do alone. Yes, you can practice Sabbath for like young parents that are like, oh, I do Sabbath on Mondays or Wednesdays or Fridays because often the kids are at school. There's something in that that's really good. Like, that's rest, but there's something about Sabbath, as difficult as it is, even in a family context, that we're meant to be practicing with other people. When God gave Sabbath to his people in Exodus 20, it was meant to be practiced in community. That was that verse from Exodus 20 I read. That like, hey, your men and women, your, your animals, like all of you practice this together because as you cease working together, you're going to actually model dependence together. And as you stop working, you're able to worship more easily because you're seeing now the gifts that are lived out and you're seeing each other. Like I'm pretty alarmed at how much of our evangelical Christianity is so much me and Jesus. And I think this is what feels like a reframe around Sabbath for me. Because I'm like, oh yeah, no, I take days off. And I read my Bible and I pray. And I, you know, I'll even do like silence days. And I'm like super solitary Christian guy at times. And I've missed this thing on Sabbath even in my family. And I've been begging for like, oh God, give us like the right devotional or the right place to serve. I like want my kids to know the goodness of you, God. And there's an invitation in not just vacationing, in practicing Sabbath together, of just being present to one another and moving us out of, yes, much of our faith is solitary and it's beautiful to be alone with the Lord, to spend time in prayer or in scripture. That feeds us. Sabbath is the great rhythm maker. 
And it's meant to be practiced together because now as you're not working and I'm not working and we're like, hey, do you want to play a game? Hey, do you want to go for a walk? Hey, do you want to meet up down in Edmonds? I, you know, I'm not working, you know, like, uh, you're not working. Do we want to do something together? And there's that thing about Sabbath that's really countercultural for our American evangelical moment. That's the great realignment. It can bring us rhythm as we practice it, not just alone. So this is good news for, for friends, people that volunteer together, people in the same family, people that are retired together, practicing Sabbath, say, what do you want to do? Let's go for a hike. Let's go out to a meal. Let's relax and watch a show. Let's be in the yard. Even doing yard work can be Sabbath if it's not like the way I do yard work that's like earplugs in and like trying to break a sweat and not hurt myself. Like entering into Sabbath, some sort of rhythm can be this great thing that we do together. There's an invitation together to go after the heart of God. And that's where Sabbath becomes worship, discerning God's heart together. It's quite beautiful. But the challenge that I've been asking myself this last week, and maybe it's a question for you, is like, God, is the inability to rest really an inability to trust? That while I rest, there'll be enough money. There'll be people that come to our church. There'll be enough, like, whatever it is that we want God to give us, we think the shortcut to it is to never cease from the work. But the divine invitation, the rhythm, is so God can provide for us. That was the critique of the early church, one of several critiques. It's like, they're crazy because they stopped working one day a week, and nobody knew what to do with them. See, our worship will define us, but what God says is your Sabbath will define you too. Do you have a rhythm like this? Uh, Ruth Haley Barton again, she says it like this, Sabbath helps us arrange our lives to honor the rhythm of things, work and rest, fruitfulness and dormancy, giving and receiving, being and doing, activity and surrender. I've experienced rest that turns into delight, delight that turns into gratitude, and gratitude that turns into worship. There it is. I know what it is like to recover myself so completely that I am able, by God's grace, to enter back into my work with a renewed sense of God's calling and God's presence. You can look at yourself this week. Jer- uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 58, 13. We're just going to skip over it now, but there's this invitation from the Lord. If you will honor me with Sabbath, I will make you into something great. I will restore you. I will give you. There's a giftedness when we live this waiting life. It's a challenge for us. Even sometimes when we vacation, and if you ask young parents, it's like vacation often with family is just like doing life in a different location. It's really challenging for it to be all that restful. This summer, we're going on the Sun family road trip, and I don't rest much when I road trip. We're up early. My family talked me into leaving at 6. I would have been happy leaving it at 3 because we were driving to Montana, and we got to go. It's a 12-hour drive. We're packed the night before. Why am I talking like this? This is how I road trip, people. I'm a little intense. We're driving to Bozeman. We're meeting friends. We knew because it'd been, we knew we needed some rhythm. And so we were able to extend our vacation to closer to two weeks. We had a daughter going off to college. Lots of life change. We need time with our people. 
So we're going to Montana, and we're going to go to Yellowstone, and we drove to Bozeman, and each, you know, roadside stop, it's like, let's go. We got to get there by dinner. We didn't make it to dinner. We got to Butte by dinner. So now we're having dinner in Butte in this little diner. I mean, have you been to Butte lately? It's not great, you know? That's why it's called Butte, you know? And we get to Bozeman late. Like, the kids who were staying with the family, they literally have flashlights in the yard where they had this football game set up. And then it's up the next morning, like, we're going to Yellowstone. It's like more driving and then get to Yellowstone. Anyone been to Yellowstone last couple years? Crazy town, right? And you, each stop was like, hurry, there's something to see. And there's thousands of people. And it just go, 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 go. And finally we get to the Old Faithful. And there's, you know, seating for a thousand around this thing and lodges and ice cream. And it's just a lot. And we've just been going, going, going. And we, we get there and we get seated. And it's like, all right. And like within a couple minutes, it's like the little one who's nine is like, when's it going to happen? You know, and I'm like, just, just wait, you know, like we haven't had like sat still for like five minutes in 48 hours at this point. And it's like three minutes becomes nine becomes 12. It's like 20 minute increments, I believe, like between the blows of Old Faithful. My little one and the two twins that are also aged, the three of these little boys, as they wait, their doubt begins to ratchet up. Is this going to happen? I mean, what's all these people waiting for? It's just like a barren, like little bump, you know? And I'm like, you guys, wait for it. Wait for it. And then the line, my son's like, you know, I'm starting to doubt this thing is even going to happen at all, you know? And I'm like, ye of little faith. It's called old faithful. Like this thing's going to blow, right? But it's amazing how when we have to wait a little bit in the anticipation, we start to doubt that the thing that we're waiting for is actually happening, Like, that's what Sabbath does. It teaches us to wait. It teaches us that the things that we want to earn and give and respond to that email and be present for that thing, that thing, Sabbath's like, I'm going to pick up that tool tomorrow, but today I'm going to wait. And man, the joy of these little boys when Old Faithful started to go and went for like two, I mean, this is our first time. It was amazing. The waiting Increase the wonder. And that's what Sabbath does. Like, what are we waiting for? What are we orientating our lives around? How do we teach our families and friends and churchgoers that we work really hard, but without rhythm and waiting and rest? We're going to be out of gas. So next week, I'm going to pick up on this more. But Sabbath is both resistance and renewal. That's Walter Brueggemann's big thing, big Jewish literature scholar, Christian. He's like, Sabbath is an act of resistance. When it was given to the Jewish people, it was an act of resistance who had come out of slavery in Egypt, that they were completely defined by the number of bricks they made. He's like, not in my family. You're not defined by what you make. You're defined by who I've made you to be. And so when you practice that resistance of Sabbath, you're saying, I am not just that thing that is on my business card or the number of children I have or where I serve or the number of grandchildren or whatever the world wants to define you. Sabbath says, I'm resisting all of that. And so when you practice Sabbath, there's an invitation for you to think about like, hey, can we put our phones down for, you know, three hours, two hours, one hour, all day? 
Can we decide together what things we'll do on Sabbath and what things we won't do? Sabbath is not a day to like re-roof your house and call it Sabbath. Like, you need to re-roof your house, do it. That's not probably a Sabbath. So there's some things you'll add on to your life as you discern, some things you'll leave out, resist, and be renewed. And I'm telling you, friends, I'm really telling you, God's been working on my heart a lot with this. And we had a laugh with kind of the worship group earlier of like, hey, I'm probably not the best one to teach on Sabbath this Sunday. Does anybody else want to do it? It's not one of my core strengths as opposed to like mission or evangelism or maybe some of these other things. But here's why I'm equipped to teach you. Because God's been breaking my heart with this stuff. And just like the story I told at the front end of like, you smell like my dad. Sabbath is making me all that God made me to be. To be the husband I want to be. To be the father I want to be. To be the pastor I want to be. I need to cease and slow down at times. So we've been practicing. I ran into somebody who heard the sermon last week. Bless her heart. She's like, do I need to be worried about you? You sound like kind of a mess in that sermon. <laughs> but we've been practicing our values more as a family. It's imperfect. Like, try to shut down devices for an afternoon. It's a bit of a battle when you rely on devices a lot. But then in the boredom, we drew pictures. We shot baskets. We walked the dogs. We had another fight about technology, let's be honest. And we did it all over again, practicing what we preach. That's my heart, team. People that practice what we preach. Anyone can say they're a Christian. What does our life say we are? Do we know this divine rhythm, working hard for the Lord in every season of our life, entering Sabbath as a declaration of our worship? Let's pray together. Jesus, would you just meet us in this space as we consider our lives, as we consider how we orientate our schedules as we consider how we step away at times from things that feel really valuable, Lord, we know that we consider Sabbath, the enemy immediately wants to fill that space with either shame or condemnation or pride. God, but would you just meet us in this space as we slow down a minute? Would you invite us to create a life that really models a dependency on you? to give us good, valuable work that's making your kingdom here on earth present. There's never been more work to do. We've named that. We've just come out of a whole series about really important work to do as your people. But God, we're also mindful that there's a pace and a weariness that's just not healthy for your people. And sometimes, Lord, I confess as a, as a leader in the church, I've been part of that. So God, I repent of ways that I've not practiced Sabbath. I repent of ways I've not taught about it enough. God, would you, would you forgive me? Would you restore us as your people? And Lord, would you invite us out into that place where we are people who know how to take a Sabbath break? Practicing Sabbath on Saturdays or Sundays or a day, a week, where we can be present to you. Lord, we know it'll look really different for all of us depending on the season of life, but would you meet us now in this time of worship to just encourage us of when we will practice Sabbath here in these days or week ahead. 
Lord, we love you. In your great name we pray. Amen.